Blog Talk Radio. Do you watch Fox News all day? Are you dizzy from conservative spin? Are you a birther or teabagger? You might be suffering from a condition called barachnophobia. If so, the only cure is Liberal Dan Radio. Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Central on Blog Talk Radio. Warning, Liberal Dan Radio is not a substitute for doctor's advice. Severe cases of barachnophobia may require psychiatric help. This may prove expensive if Republicans repeal health care. Listening to Liberal Dan Radio may cause you to embrace things like facts, logic, and reason. If these symptoms last for more than four hours, you have been cured. For more information, go to liberaldan.com. Welcome to Liberal Dan Radio, talk from the left that's right. This is your host, Dan Zimmerman, coming at you from New Orleans, Louisiana. To join the conversation, it's area code 347-838-8368. That is area code 347-838-8368. You can also come to the chat room at blogtalkradio.com slash liberaldan. And you can always leave your comments, questions, and concerns if you're listening after the live broadcast on the show thread at liberaldan.com. Today is going to be a slightly different formatted show. Um, I am not starting with headlines or doing many commercials. Um, I'm pretty much just going to be discussing what happened yesterday and the ramifications of it. So, you know, so no headlines, no words of redneck wisdom, nothing of the sort, just the Trump apocalypse, what happened. And if, you know, obviously uh, I don't necessarily feel that I'm as animated as I usually am. And that's because of the fact that, you know, there are many people today who feel utterly defeated uh, by the results of this election, myself being one of them, and just, you know, utter shock and disbelief uh, that this nation um, would go ahead and elect uh, Donald Trump as president, uh, or someone as I have been referring to as uh, basically um, the Hitler 2.0. Um, his, his, his policies are just so dangerous. And I I just can't understand why people couldn't see why why what he was saying was so terrifying to so many people, how he was was using uh, anti-Semitic propaganda and rhetoric uh, to court the alt-right, the extreme, you know, the white nationalists, people who are are plainly racist. Um, I think if anything, this, this election proves that uh, the roots of racism, you know, and bigotry in this country have been exposed and still run strong and deep. And it's it's a very sobering thought. It's a very you know what happened yesterday was sobering. And and before I start talking about the the repercussions of what happened, I'll go a little bit into you know what happened last night. Because, um, you know, I, mean, I went to a friend's house 
Um, our family friends are t- together. Um, if you follow me on Twitter, I actually um, shared uh, the picture of the their youngest child, who is our godson. We he is uh, they're Muslim. My my um, the husband is Muslim. The kids are being raised Muslim. The wife is not Muslim. So we're over their house. Their fellow liberals like like me and my wife and and my kids um, and a couple other people were there at the time as well. And at some point on my personal Facebook page, I had posted, you know, come on, Florida. <clears throat> but before that is actually when I, you know, it was before anybody actually, put, you know, started talking about how. Things were weird last night that, you know, before they people were actually discussing about how, you know, this is a real possibility. You know, there was MSNBC was was still kind of at the point where they were talking about all the different places that the the states were close, but we still hadn't heard from several liberal bastions. We still haven't heard, you know, from places in North Carolina and Virginia that still had yet to come in. You know, Ohio results, if they hadn't come in yet. Or if they hadn't come in yet, it was very – they were soon to come in or they hadn't come yet. And nothing really major had come in about Ohio, Pennsylvania, nothing much really happening. Or it seemed like Pennsylvania was probably going to be well in hand. And But something happened, and I don't know what it was exactly that I saw on the television. I don't know what the number was. I don't know what the percentage was. Um I don't think it was the first time that it showed Trump in the lead in Florida, but it was, it was, there was just one point in that broadcast where I just, all of a sudden I just felt this sullen look, this just hit my face. I just, I just got very serious for a second. I'm just staring at the TV and I realized that this was going to go sideways, that this is not going to be a blowout for Clinton and that, she, there was a very good chance that she was going to lose this election. That at, at that point in time, I felt like it was Donald Trump had at that point a 50-50 shot, which to me was terrifying. And of course, as the night went on, my feelings about the likelihood of, of Hillary being able to catch up and or having to even catch up was were just you know, the fact that I felt that at some point that she was playing catch up and I, and I kind of felt these things even before MSNBC had gotten to them. And it, it just, it, I just saw the writing on the wall that, that there were, honestly, I, I think it could probably, if I was going to put a, put a probability on it, it would probably be maybe somewhere around 730. Somewhere around 7.30 last night, I think, is probably the the time where I felt that this is, was going sideways. I think it was at the point where there was – because if you know Florida, you know, I drive – I go to Disney all the time. So I know Florida very well. And there's a part in Florida as you're driving east along I-10 where you hit the time zone. 
for some reason, they didn't draw the line so that the line would come in and encompass all of Florida, the, the, the panhandle of Florida, the most conservative, one of the conservative parts of Florida is in a different time zone. And their polls close an hour later than the rest of the state, which is kind of kind of weird because you would think and you would hope that, you know, you, you just you would want the state to close together so that everybody would have nobody would have extra shot to come out and, and you, nobody would have the opportunity to say, oh, things are going bad for us. Let's go show up to vote or let's not show up to vote. I mean, it eventually took a while for them to call Florida anyway, but like it always does. However, I think it was at the point, and I'm trying to find it on my Facebook page, my personal one. I think it was at the point um, that they had closed, you know, the most of Florida polls with maybe like a half an hour to go to the closing of the polls or somewhere between maybe 730, 8 o'clock my time um, and the panhandle time as well. That's I believe, where I just kind of looked at it and was like, uh, uh, this is not going to be good. This is not going to be um, good for Hillary. Hillary is not going to win Florida. And Hillary losing Florida means Trump has a pass. And giving Trump that pass was very, very worrisome to me. Let's see. At, at seven, it was at 719 yesterday is actually where I said, come on, Florida. So maybe it was a little after that when I started feeling this this feeling of of just potential shock that could have been coming. Um, And it just got worse and worse and worse uh, from that point in time. You know, and I was trying to remain upbeat. you know, I, I did tweet out and posted them. I did tweet this from my Twitter account, too. Uh, apparently, Trump is doing very well among the uneducated. Um, but and then, you know, later on, I was like, this shouldn't even be this close. If Hillary wins it, that if that it, if Hillary wins it, that it is this close is an embarrassment. Trump and his voters are making a laughing stock uh, to and bigotry has been revealed just how deep it runs in this country with what I said earlier in the show. So, and I, I have friends in other countries on Facebook. My, my wife has friends with other people on Facebook, you know, from overseas who she talks to. And, and he was like, when he heard it, that Trump won or he saw it, he first thought it was a joke. He thought it was like the onion or some other type of fake news trying to troll the people. In saying, oh, this guy won, you know, and, 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 and ha-ha, funny, funny, laugh, laugh. I've literally only laughed two times today. Um, and I'm usually laughing about a lot of stuff. And I usually, jo- I mean, I've joked a little bit more about stuff, but I, I've, 
you know, I'm a big guy. I like to eat. If you see my videos, you know that I'm a big guy. And even then, I still have not been able to, um, you know, I, I didn't eat till like two o'clock in the afternoon today. I just had no appetite. I was, a lot of times when I get stressed and worrisome, I actually binge eat. Um, and I was really stressed about things and it was not, uh, it's not, you know, I wasn't feeling good about things at all. So what now, this is something that I, uh, posted, um, even, um, Trump hadn't even been announced as the winner yet. And I was like, remember when I criticized the Democrats for the nuclear option? And I did that on this show. I was very critical of the Democrats and what they did and how they handled the nuclear option. I was very much opposed to it. I I, I exposed the hypocrisy of uh, Mary Landrieu, who at that time I think was still running for re-election. I exposed the hypocrisy of the Republicans who threatened its use, but then complained about its use later on. Um, and I came out firmly and said, look, you should not use the nuclear option. It should not even be an option because it's based a lie. But the Democrats, to, in order to stop Republican obstruction, went ahead and pulled the trigger on the nuclear option. And when I said that then, is a, not only were they wrong for doing that, but that it was going to come back to bite them in the ass. How is it going to come to bite back? Well, I'll go ahead and take a commercial now so I can take a quick break. Um, Take your calls as well. Um, 347-838-8368. That's area code 347-838-8368. This is Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left. That's right. Are you planning a trip to Disney soon? Do you want help avoiding spending mistakes and making the most of your vacation? Then check out BudgetEars.com, a new site devoted to helping you get the most mouse for your money. What kinds of tickets should you get? Is the dining plan a good deal for you? Should you stay on grounds or not? Should you buy park hoppers? Many other sites are filled with information about what other people like to do. But BudgetEars is geared to help you make the best decision for you. So check out BudgetEars.com or go to YouTube.com slash BudgetEars and help make your trip the best it can be. BudgetEars.com is not a travel agency and it is not affiliated with the Disney Corporation or any of its holdings. I am sick and tired of the propaganda in today's media. You know, we can't have a sane discussion about politics. Well, yes, you can, and it's on ROJS Radio Live with the girls, Monica RW, and Autumn S. I'm there every week when they discuss Michigan and national politics, job search, unemployment, and more from an independent laugh, sanity-based point of view. So, tune in. ROJS Radio Live, Saturdays and Sundays at 11 a.m. sharp here on the Blog Talk Radio Network.
Welcome back to Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the West, that's right. This is your host, Dan Zimmerman, coming to you from New Orleans, Louisiana. To join the conversation, it's area code 347-838-8368. That is area code 347-838-8368. So, I teased a little bit about me talking about the, the repercussions or whatever. But first, I want to talk about just the Supreme Court in general. Um, because my first question I have about the Supreme Court, and this actually has nothing to do with Trump, is Supreme, the Supreme Court ruled against President Obama saying that his intercession, intra-session recess appointments were unconstitutional. They made no comment about intercession recess appointments. So, can President Obama name Merrick Garland to, or somebody else to the Supreme Court between sessions, between terms? You know, there's a point in time where the Senate will end, or the one Senate term will end, and another Senate term will begin. And in the middle of that time, Obama should still be president. It's my opinion, and I could be wrong, and I'd be welcome anybody's uh, uh, opinion on this. It should, I could be wrong, but it, it's possible. It uh, might not be. So that's why I'm kind of putting it out there. Um, that he could make an intercession recess appointment. Now, it wouldn't be permanent. It would last to the end of the next session. But, and who maybe the, the Senate could then say, okay, we're ending our session now, and maybe it wouldn't be, so maybe the term wouldn't last that long at all, or maybe it would last until Trump becomes president, um, and then he, and then they could end, end a session or whatever, or not be in, they could say, hey, we're not in the session, and then Trump could say, okay, um, of course, um, I think the Democrats could play some games with that. So it's possible that I think Garland could potentially have a term of up to two years in the Supreme Court. Maybe. Or anybody who Obama appoints. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not an expert on this. I'm hundred percent. And I'm more than welcome. Anybody's uh, opinion on this idea, but that really probably might, might not even matter. So why might that not matter? So let, let's just roll back to the idea. Of, let's say Obama doesn't do that or can't do that. Let's say he doesn't pull a little rabbit out of his hat if possible. Um, does the, do the Democrats have any teeth? In the Senate, the Democrats can't do anything in the House. They're just—I mean, they—they can only vote go along with because as long as the Republicans are still using the Haystert rule, a majority of the majority will have to come up, well approve of something before it comes to the floor. So the minority has no say in that. So even if all of the Democrats and some Republicans want to bring something to the floor, uh, according to the Haystert rule that they've made up out of thin air. Um, 
they all or takes the majority of the majority to bring something to the floor. So the Democrats are already toothless in the House. Basically, they're getting paid to do nothing, or maybe just yell and when they have their time on uh, on camera. Democrats in the Senate have traditionally been able to filibuster. So we gained a seat. We're not going to have a majority in the Senate. I doubt that the Democrat is going to win in Louisiana. And even if he did, we still wouldn't have a majority in the Senate. So if they don't have a majority in the Senate, typically what, you know, as long as we had 40 votes, you could filibuster things and people would filibuster and that would be the end of it. But that's not the case anymore. Because as I said, not only did the Democrats use a fiction in dropping the uh, nuclear filibuster or the nuclear option bomb on the filibusters during the Republican obstructionism of Barack Obama's appointments, they open up uh, basically a precedent so that now that the now that the Republicans can at any time they wanted to, they could sit there and say, "All right, we don't like this filibuster. Where we." believe that you should be able to filibuster in this case either. We don't believe that the filibuster is I believe that the filibuster is unconstitutional. Or that actually what happens in a nuclear option is that um, the chair or somebody asks the chair, hey, is the And then you have an automatic vote. And that automatic vote takes place. The majority of the Senate, who is in Republican hands, overrides the ruling of the chair. And as such, the filibuster is terminated without any additional conversation. So the Republicans could use the nuclear option any and every time they wanted to in order to eliminate or pass any sort of legislation that they wanted to pass. So... What does that mean? Well, uh, when Obama doesn't do what I thought he might be able to do, and if instead Trump gets to a point of Supreme Court justice, then guess what? Uh, he can appoint the conservative guy that he wants to appoint. He doesn't have a, you know, a hard said that a, a Trump would have to still appoint somebody he doesn't have to appoint a Merrick Garland. He could appoint somebody to the right of Scalia, and the conservatives will, would rejoice. And as long as a majority of the Senate agrees with it, which I'm sure that they will because they want, a, they want a Scalia, or they probably want even more conservative than Scalia, and they'll be able to get him in there. But let's say Obama does what he does. And this, this, this upcoming thing that I'm going to talk about is something that is the thing that I think would be, I hope it doesn't happen, and it could happen. We've not always had nine justices on the Supreme Court. There is no constitutional requirement to have nine justices on the Supreme Court. The number of justices on the Supreme Court is determined by Congress. So let's say Obama got... Merrick Garland in, and let's say Merrick Garland was able to stay in for two years. Would that matter? No. 
Why? If they decided to go this route, Congress could just pass a law saying, all right, well, we're going to make uh, the Supreme Court an 11-judge panel instead of a 9-judge panel. And instead of having a 5 to 4 majority on many things, um, sometimes it would still actually 5 to 4, 6 to 3 on, on probably choice issues. Um, so you don't even want to do two justices. You want to put like four justices. You can say we're going to enhance the size and they might even not even want to play it that safe. So let's, let's put six justices on there. Do what somebody else tried to do. I think it was I think this might have been Roosevelt. Uh, let's let's pass a law that's going to put make the Supreme Court 15 judges. They pass that. The Democrats complain. They filibuster. The Republicans use the nuclear option to overdo that filibuster. The president signs off on the law. Voila, there are now 15 Supreme Court justices. And not only are there now is there now potentially one seat open, there is another six seats that are open. Trump could now name six or seven people Supreme Court. And even if Merrick Garland is able to stay on there, once, once Merrick Garland's uh, little intercession term goes away, Trump could then appoint uh, the, his, the, the ninth in Merrick Garland's spot, and then you have Trump appointing seven justices to the Supreme Court stacking the court with 10 conservative justices and five liberal justices. So then what happens? Any single challenge that they want to make to any other thing in the country then comes up for a challenge and then people right start falling off left and right and pass a law banning gay marriage, federal law banning gay marriage. Somebody challenges it as being unconstitutional according to previous rulings. Obderfell, I believe it's the right court ruling. The new Supreme Court, the newly erected Supreme Court, rules against uh, gay marriage with a vote of either 10 to 5 or 11 to 4. Because Sotomayor, Ginsburg, uh, those, you know, typical Democratic votes, the four or five that you have voting, you know, for these rights, obviously are going to still vote to protect the rights, but then you're going to have another at least eight justices supporting the ban and, and thus re- removing rights from the people, ignoring stare decisis. So then you pass anything you want. You stack the court with enough people who agree with you. You now have anything you want to have done for years to come. And all of the rights You pass a law banning abortion from month zero. You pass a law punishing women for obtaining an abortion, just like Trump said that he would. Guess what? You now 
have a 15-seat Supreme Court? You don't think this is possible? Have you not looked at your history? You don't believe that that's, this is something that Donald Trump might do and the Republicans might do? And don't be fooled by Mitch McConnell today. Mitch McConnell today said you have to be kind of temperate um, because you can't go overboard with your power or else you lose it quickly. Well, not if you usurp the power. You have a lot of people. Listen to what Paul Ryan said earlier today. Paul Ryan was very clear that the Republican Party rode Donald Trump's coattails to victory, that Donald Trump made sure that they kept the Senate. Donald Trump made sure that they kept the House. Donald Trump not only made sure that they won the presidency, but that they carried Wisconsin, a state that was pretty much considered reliably blue. Paul Ryan, who was somebody who was not a big fan of Trump, is not going to hitch his wagon to that Trump train. All of these Republicans are going to be either enthusiastically now behind Trump, because now that they see that that's where they get fed, that's their meal ticket, or they reluctantly go behind it because they don't want to have their voters be pissed at them the next time they come up for election. Any new congressman? I don't know what if, if Congress shifted at all, um, but any new congressman you know, or existing congressman are going to want to jump along that Trump train. You're going to have senators who are going to want to jump, you know, who maybe weren't up for election this time, but will be up for election in two years. They're going to want to go along with anything that Trump does. So Trump is basically going to have a, a blank check. He's going to be able to do almost whatever he wants, because I don't believe that the Republican Party or that the Republicans in Congress is, are going to want to stand up to him. So even if Obama is able to appoint Scalia's replacement, you could see a great larger court, and that would be moot. Obamacare, that's done. There, there will be no Obamacare. There is no way that Democrats can pre- prevent Obamacare from lasting. Uh, the funding, even without filibuster games, the nuclear option games. They can rip out the funding immediately. They can just do that with reconciliation. Reconciliation is done. Fifth, simple majority, no debate. You pass, you put the bill through, boom, it's finished. The Democrats don't have the votes to block any sort of reconciliation bill. Furthermore, to pass just an entire bill in and of itself, you don't think the Republicans are going to drop the nuclear option on that too? They'll use it in a second. I'll be like, oh, we're filibustering. Oh, chair, is that filibuster legal? Chair says, yes, it is legal. I challenge the ruling of the chair. Okay, let's vote. Oh, look, the challengers have it. The filibuster is over. Let's vote. Okay, Obamacare is done. No more Affordable Care Act. Everybody gets pre-existing condition clauses again. Everybody gets... Um, I don't know, what a rescission can come back. They can now kick you off your plan for being too sick. There are now maximum lifetime limits that will come back into play. So, again, if you're too sick, you get, you get kicked off. You no longer have anything to pay for it. I don't see how the Democratic Party 
is going to be able to stop anything in the Senate because of their stupid decision to use the nuclear option. They opened up Pandora's box and they didn't have the opportunity to close it. Hope's not left. Nothing's left. I said on my personal Facebook page earlier today, had it been a candidate uh, president-elect Bush or Rubio, I may have been disappointed. I may have even worried about these possible things, but I wouldn't necessarily think that that they were completely possible because I I would have thought that maybe those two would have at least tried to reach across the aisle and and work and form a coalition and form and, and at least try and get the help because unlike the Republicans who were completely ridiculous with their blocking of, of Obama, the Democrats actually are willing to reach across the aisle and do the right thing. I haven't been able to say that I actually, I don't know if I even said it during the, I may have, but the words uh, Trump preceded by either president or president elect, uh, I, it's been hard for me to even say it. And, and, and maybe it seems childish, but it, it's, it's a very hard pill to swallow. I mean, I had people tell me today, trying to, trying to explain to me why you know, my views on this are kind of ridiculous, that why I should, hopefully that my fears will be under. Well, you know, I hope my fears are unfounded too. I hope that at the end of four years that I have to eat a whole crap ton of crow. I hope that after four years, I go, you know what? Look, Trump did a wonderful job as president. He brought this nation together as one. And we we all marched off together into the sunset, one happy nation. Do I think that's going to happen? Absolutely not. Not at all. You don't run for office saying that you're going to ban all Muslims from entry into the country and think you can have a tra-la-da, tra-la-dee, uh, skippy, jumpy, happy-go-lucky time with the people on the other side of the aisle. You don't run for office using anti-Semitic. And this is a, I was raised Jewish. I, I've, I've been stood in the middle of a concentration camp. I've seen plenty of videos with the Holocaust. I, one of my teachers was a Holocaust survivor. She couldn't even be in the same room as we were when we were going over watching those videos because she would have a nervous breakdown and PTSD would come back to her. I've, I've spent my time learning about the Holocaust and what happened. Six million of Jewish people and six million others just eradicated off the planet because somebody campaigned using xenophobic nationalism and anti-Semitic propaganda and rhetoric in order to wield him, hoist himself into power as a populist. Well, guess what? Trump just did that again. And despite my insistence of how horrible, I have somebody on Facebook who he just refused, like, I'm like, look, this is the thing he retweeted, the thing with the Star of David over money obtained from a white nationalist website. How is that not 
anti-Semitic propaganda. Well, I didn't see anybody else raising such a big fuss over it. Everybody did. Here's 17 different sources of people talking about it. Yet I'm the bad guy because I'm questioning whether the people, people who vote for this guy. I'm the bad guy because I'm calling half of America Nazis because they supported a bigot. Well, you know what? If the shoe fits, then put it on and wear it because I'm tired of having to have to hear from people that I'm being mean to them. I'm being mean to them because they they don't like being called out on voting for a bigot. Well, you know what? You have a, I had somebody, some, it's just a ridiculous conversation that I had with somebody. And he was like, I was, if somebody voted for David Duke, and 55,000 people in Louisiana voted for David Duke, the only reason that David Duke probably ran for office and thought that he had a shot in hell of winning is because he thought he was going to ride Donald Trump's coattails too and make it into a runoff. This is the type of people that Donald Trump empowers. Donald Trump empowers racists and bigots, white supremacists, white civil rights leaders. This is the type of person Donald Trump is pandering to. And he jumped all aboard that coattails and tried to ride it. And he got 55,000 people voting for him. And the person actually that I was asking, I was like, look, do you think, what, what, would, you, what would you think that if somebody voted for David Duke, would you call them a bigot? Well, I would ask them why they voted for David Duke. And if they told me no and explained why, then I would sit down and have a coffee with that. No, you don't do that. So, so you voted for David Duke. Bye-bye. You are not welcome in my life. You are not worthy. You do not get to call yourself my friend if you vote for David Duke. You do not get to be around my family if you vote for David Duke. And I'm pretty much there with Trump, too. Trump, my God, again, my godson is Muslim. His two brothers are Muslim. His father is Muslim. His family is Muslim. His family in France. Will they be able to come visit their relatives here in America after Trump takes office? Not if Trump has his way, because Trump said he was going to stop all Muslim immigration until we figure out what's going on, until we come up with a final solution. And I'm not supposed to call these him out or his supporters out for voting for that. I'm not supposed to question why his voters would support a guy who used anti-Semitic propaganda and rhetoric who retweeted from some account that was labeled white genocide, who panders to anti-Muslim, anti-Jewish people, white supremacists. I'm supposed to be okay with these people? I'm supposed to sit around in a circle and sing Kumbaya and value the fact that I have relationships and friendships with all sorts of different people? You know what? I am friends with different sorts of people. For even from way back in the day, oh, if this freaking does this, I'm going to be very upset. From way back in the day, look at my computer was going to freeze on me. Way back in the day, 
I had a, a conversations with liberals who didn't understand why I was friends with so many conservatives. And I did. I value my, my friendships with different sort of people. I like the fact that I can have reasonable discussions and understand why people think the way they do. I value those people. I value those friendships. And you know what I can say about many of those people that are conservatives? I've, saw, I've seen those, those conser- many of those conservative friends of mine. You know who they voted for in Louisiana? Gary Johnson. They didn't vote for Donald Trump. Now, Louisiana was voting for Donald Trump. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about that because we have plenty of deplorables here in Louisiana. And all of those people, I, call the, I can still look at them and call them my friends, despite the fact that we disagree politically because they voted for Gary Johnson and they did not vote for Donald Trump, the bigot. Donald Trump gets up on stage and says he wants to work together. He wants to bring everybody together. Well, the proof is in the pudding, because right now I'm not in a position where I'm willing to believe you. Do you think that if you're going to be that much different than you were during the election and not push for bigoted things, not push for anti-women, not be an apologist for rape? If that's what you're going to actually be the, the completely different person than what people voted for. Prove it to me. Again, I'd be more than happy to eat a whole bunch of crow and my fears about you. However, I don't think my fears are irrational because of what you campaigned on. You campaigned on fear and hate. You pandered to the lowest common denominator. And yeah, you were able to bring out a lot of people who probably didn't, who probably haven't voted in a while, maybe never voted at all. Maybe they came out, saw what you were saying, and said, hey, that's awesome. And then there were some idiots who voted for Bernie Sanders in the, in the, in the primaries. And then were so angry over the fact that their beloved Bernie lost because of some, quote, rigged system, even though it wasn't rigged. They sat home. Worse yet, I have one person on my Facebook, quote, friends list. I don't know why they call it a friends list, because I'm your, there's a lot of people on there who I'm more probably best to say that I'm acquaintances with them. But one of them, she went from Bernie to Trump, all because she believed she fell for the lies of the Republican Party. 20 years of Republican lies. She's up with the difference. I was still yesterday having to explain to people that there was no stand-down order. People still believe that there was a stand-down order for Benghazi. There was no stand-down order. A Republican intelligence committee how in the House came to the conclusion that there was no stand-down They've had... These are the worst witch hunts ever. I mean, this, these Benghazi witch hunts were a witch hunt, but typically on a witch hunt, you find something to hang the witch on. They couldn't find anything. Nothing. They found no wrongdoing with Benghazi. 
no stand. The only thing that we can point out of wrongdoing that comes to Benghazi, other than the people who actually made the attacks, was the fact that Jason Chaffetz and the Republican Party didn't view outpost security as a priority and that they needed to, quote, prioritize when they were making their budgets. And that's why they didn't increase funding to diplomatic outposts. And yet they still want to blame Hillary Clinton for not giving more aid. They tried. This administration tried to give the people in Benghazi more aid. But people, the voters, and what boggles my mind the most is the Bernie voters who are like, well, she left people to die in Benghazi. Are you freaking kidding me? You're insane. Bernie Sanders lost the election, lost the primaries, simply because he did not put enough effort in the South. He did not pay attention to what Barack Obama did. President Obama, when he was campaigning in 2008, owned Hillary Clinton's ass because he took like 80% of the South. Well, and I questioned it back then. And I was wrong to question it back then. It was a genius political move. It was such a smart political move. Guess what Hillary Clinton did? She went and targeted the South and got like 80% in the South in some states. By Bernie Sanders, he didn't even have to win the South. He just needed to be more competitive. If he would have lost the South 60-40, 55-45 maybe in some of the states, he would have been in an amazing position to try and actually take that nomination away from her. But he didn't. But whenever I want to try and bring it up, Bernie Sanders supporters, there's some Bernie Sanders supporters who still get very mad. They're posting today. Well, Bernie would have beaten Trump. No. Bernie, there's no evidence out there that Bernie Sanders would have beaten Donald Trump. There is a poll from like May that says at that particular point in time that Hillary Clinton was polling at maybe 1% beating Trump. And that Bernie Sanders was polling like at 6% beating Trump. Well, guess what? Hillary Clinton won the popular vote. So that poll was true. So maybe that poll was true and maybe Bernie Sanders would have gotten 6%. Bernie Sanders could have very well gotten 6% of the vote and still lost. Why? Do we think that Bernie Sanders would have won Pennsylvania? Is that how Trump won Pennsylvania, by taking away Bernie voters? I don't think so. Trump won Pennsylvania because he got the Rust Belt voters. He got, he got these like disenfranchised union guys who wanted, I guess, a businessman. He won Wisconsin. I don't think Bernie Sanders would have had what it takes to win Wisconsin. Maybe Bernie would have won Florida. I don't think that would have been enough. We still have election results coming in about this election. We still have Arizona coming in, Michigan coming in. Michigan with 16 electoral votes. Arizona with 11 electoral votes. That's 27 electoral votes. 
Florida has 29 electoral votes. So even if Bernie Sanders would have won Florida, if he wins Arizona and Michigan, he still has 277. You show me polling data saying that they would have voted for Bernie Sanders over Donald Trump in Pennsylvania and Florida? Sure. I'll believe you, but there's no poll. I think the last polling data that I saw about Bernie Sanders winning this election or having a better chance of winning the election as opposed to Hillary Clinton was, was May. And Bernie Sanders back in May said, look, I am the person who, and this is when I was being critical of Bernie Sanders because he was basically trying to flip-flop and he was trying to say, look, the superdelegates should come over and vote for me despite the fact that I don't have the pledge delegates totals. And I've talked about that on the show before. I don't have to rehash all that. But the idea that Bernie Sanders could have won this election, it could have. I'm not going to say he wouldn't have. I'm just saying that there is no evidence that I see pointing to that being a definitive yes. And there's no evidence pointing it to be a definitive no. But what Trump was able to do in this race. You know, so let's say Bernie Sanders was able to get, you know, 6%, 5% more than Hillary Clinton. What does that mean? And I don't even think that's a given. At the time it was a given in May. I don't think that's a given now. I don't think that he, no, we didn't, we never got to see what the Trump campaign against Bernie Sanders would have looked like. Because, I'm not going to say Trump ran a good campaign because nothing about running a xenophobic nationalist campaign based on anti-Semitism, anti-Muslim hatred, anti-Hispanic hatred, and anti-women locker room speak, supposedly, is, can never be described as good, but he ran a very effective campaign. He campaigned exactly right. He saw openings in Wisconsin and Michigan at the very end of the campaign, and his campaign went there and he stole Michigan and Wisconsin away from Hillary. He, he took Pennsylvania as well. Those are states that all should have went to Hillary. So even if Florida was lost and North Carolina, I was always been iffy about North Carolina. I never thought that was a reasonable thing. I don't know why they focus on it so much. I mean, yeah, people, Obama won it once, whip de do. He lost it in 2012. I think focusing on North Carolina might have been a mistake. They should have definitely been putting more, more effort into the ground games in Michigan, in Pennsylvania, in Florida, in Wisconsin. Because I even heard the Democrats took money away from the Senate candidate in Florida. What? Why would you do that? You could beat up on Rubio, take Rubio out the Senate. No, we're not going to do that. We make dumb decisions. It's just frustrating. Anyway, so again, I'm not gonna, I don't want to spend too much more time on, on the whole Bernie Sanders thing, just because of the fact that I don't believe that, I just don't believe that there's enough evidence out there to, to support the idea that Bernie Sanders would have won. People can believe that all they want. They can believe it all they want. 
but the evidence is done. I'm sure we're getting grilled on my Facebook page right now because I posted something similar to that. I'm sure I'll be attacked for it. But you know what? I don't care. Because I like another friend's Facebook page. They're basically talking about the millennials who, you know, the millennials who voted for Bernie didn't come out and vote for Hillary. That just proves the point that people make about millennials. That they're overprivileged, whiny brats who cry when they don't get exactly what they want. And they're people, I'm not saying all of them are like it, but there's a good chunk of them that are. And I have little tolerance for that crap. So, but kind of to sum up the point of this, you know, I'm still just, I've been in a daze all day. I'm surprised I got any work done today. I got work done. I mean, I'll be honest with you, I fixed a bug in one of my programs that I was being very, it was being very difficult to find. I couldn't find it. I fixed it. So that's a good thing, I guess. Um, but no, I've, I've, I was, it was just a very long and hard day. I wasn't my typical jovial self. And, you know, just arguing with people over the results, probably not healthy, but you know what? I, I almost was tempted to not even do the show. I was almost even tempted to give up on this podcast. I mean, I felt so helpless last night, today. I literally felt so helpless that I was, I was willing to just give it up. And one of my good friends said to me, and I'm getting a little emotional now, so I guess I'll, I don't know. Um, And I even said to her, I said, I don't even know if I can or if I want to do a podcast today. And at, at the root of that, was just just ideas from you know last night today during today where I was like I mean I have my ride sharing stuff that I can focus on you know my ride share I want to put more content on my ride sharing blog and start more video blogging I put my first blog up there for that the other day um, I have my Disney blog that I really want to focus on too and get some more stuff done on that one. So, so I'm going to have other stuff that I could possibly work on. But if any of these things are a passion, it's this. But, you know, I was, I, was, I was thinking that, you know what? You know, I was thinking of just, you know, hanging this up and just saying, look, it's useless. It's, it's this, this country is so far gone that they elected... This is bigot in 2016. That people just couldn't see through his misogyny, his bigotry, his anti-Semitism. They couldn't see through it. What purpose was there for me to have a podcast? What 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 good was I doing? Obviously, me having a podcast didn't help matters any. I don't. I didn't feel like I was convincing enough people to go change their mind to go do something. And 
what my comment to her was, I don't even know if I can or if I want to do a podcast today. And my real feelings and sentiments at that time were, I don't even know if I can or I want to continue to do a podcast at all. At all. And those are serious thoughts that I was having. But what she said was, you have to. Today is a beginning, not an ending. And that touched me. That that got me right there. It 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 gave me the resolve I think that I needed to get on the air tonight and to discuss my concerns and to discuss where I think we're going and what we need to watch out for and how we need to keep our eyes open and keep our eyes on the people in Washington and keep them under a very close microscope to make sure that they don't do the things that we're worried about, or if they try to do the things that we're worried about. And I'm not even, I mean, well, I haven't even touched proposed Trump appointments. Maybe that'll be next week. Next week, I'll probably discuss who, once we get a bigger picture of who Trump is wanting to appoint. One of them is former Louisiana Governor Bobby Jindal, which that's scary in and of itself. That shows that Donald Trump is freaking unhinged. He's wanting to bring up Bobby Jindal to be Secretary of Health. He destroyed Louisiana's health system. So that, that'll be, I'll go into more detail on that next week, I suppose. But she gave me the, the, the strength and the, and the willingness to want to get on the air tonight and start this anew and start doing, you know, advocating for the future for those people who may not be able to feel that they're comfortable speaking up for themselves in this new Trump administration and for my children who need me, I guess, to stand up and fight for them more than ever before. Anyway. That is the end of this week's episode of Liberal Day and Radio. Talk from the left, that's right. Uh, join next Wednesday, 8 p.m. Central on Blog Talk Radio. Follow me at liberaldane.com, facebook.com, slash liberaldane, at, at liberaldane on Twitter. Until next week, this is Dan Zimmerman with Liberal Day and Radio. Talk from the left, that's right.